0: Hi folks, Keith Jones for Front Row Knowles. We appreciate your listening to our podcasts and all the things that uh, go into what we do in terms of watching Florida State Athletics. But we would remind you that part of Florida State Athletics is certainly Seminole Boosters. Uh, Athletics can't do what they do without the support of you and without the support of Seminole Boosters. So we encourage you, if you're not already a member, consider joining Seminole Boosters. If you are a member, consider increasing your participation. Without Seminole Boosters, Florida State Athletics is going to be run-of-the-mill. With Seminole Boosters, Florida State can work their way towards elite. And, oh, by the way, they're ter- doing pretty good on the football field. They're doing pretty good on the pitch for soccer. Uh, and they're uh, getting ready to do good on both the men and women's side on the hardwood. Join Seminole Boosters,
1: support Seminole Boosters, and continue to support Front Row Knowles. Go Knowles! <laughs> Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones
2: with you. Knowles, KJ. It's forty-eight hours, seventy-two hours later. I'm feeling a little bit better, but uh, I'm I'm not going to lie. It still kind of feels like a Monday to me.
0: Well, the the pain is very real. Uh, I'm just thankful uh, for what the 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 women were able to do, the ladies were able to do on Monday night, uh, because that's taken a little bit of the sting out of it. To be very very honest, so very disappointed in the in the playoff committee, but so very very proud and just just hats off um to uh to the women's soccer team unbelievable performance throughout the entire tournament
2: Amen. Hey, man unbeaten national champs that's four in ten years i mean they they are as uh, big a dynasty as is going in collegiate sports right now we're gonna have bob ferrente our oscila insider join us next segment and we'll look back to the uh football season being boiled down to uh a committee we'll continue that conversation but i, I Staying away from Florida State for now, honest answer here, Keith. As we sit here right now, interested in watching the Alabama-Michigan game and the Texas-Washington game, because for me, I I know –
0: I will watch them only because I want the opportunity to talk about them, but I'm not personally interested in them.
2: I know I'll come around. I mean, it's not like I'm going to boycott college football, but I I will say that it just – Feels certainly less meaningful and less interesting to me in light of, in light of circumstances.
0: I mean, I just think the disappointment of of Seminole Nation. I mean, it it is palatable, and and I'm not sure. I mean, we may get over it, but there may be some things. I mean, you got letters from Gov from uh, Senator Scott. You got DeSantis talking about putting a million dollars in the budget for for potential litigation. Uh, obviously, nothing can be done to help um, and, and move Alabama out and put Florida State in. But just in terms of stating the case and making the case and, uh, you know, good of the order and everything else that's involved in it, uh, the calls for transparency and, and um, you know, what were the discussions? I mean, it's, it's not an insignificant problem that the college playoff group has. In my opinion,
2: it made me long for the days of the BCS Keith. And that was far from a perfect system.
1: No question. No question
2: that now you could debate the logic of the multiple computer polls and all the criteria, but at least it wasn't four people in a room. I mean, you, the, the, the logic was set before the season and then it would spit numbers out, but the one thing I think people forget this, the one thing the BCS did, whatever your ranking was you added a point to it if for every loss. So if you came in at 0.572, as soon as you lost the game, now you're at 1.572, i.e. unbeaten mattered right now. Now it no longer does. And uh, so I certainly missed. And by the way, there is there's website and and somebody you can follow on X that uh, shows the updated BCS standings. And in case you're wondering, Florida state would have been in at fourth ahead of Alabama. Sure, that makes you feel better.
0: Oh yeah. Bear bear with me a minute. Let me bring out my personal journal and make an entry.
2: <laughs> anyway, Bob Frante will join us. Well, I think the challenge now is, I mean, we're we're gonna rehash and continue our therapy session. The challenge for Mike Norvell, who is a uh finish, he is control what you can control. This time that we're wasting right now, Keith, he doesn't have time for it. Let's get on. No, he deal. does not. That better. is correct.
0: But, That is is how
2: he, and and I wish, I I commend him for it. I wish I could be like that. I spend too much time thinking about what could have, should have, would have. Probably we all do. But I do think this is going to be as big a challenge as he's had trying to get his team ready, whatever that looks like for this game against Georgia.
1: And,
0: And what the team looks like is going to be an issue. You've already got nine people allegedly in the portal. We have not heard of who may opt out and choose not to play in the bowl game. You know, you may be without. 12-15 12 15 players
2: Georgia will be significant the, no it's not it'll be the same for Georgia but anyway let's uh, we'll, we'll get to that topic a little bit later on uh, in this show uh, right now we'll take a break Bob Ferranti is up next this is Front row Knowles
1: Front row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo Georgia get your best deal the Hobson Way now back to Tom and Keith
2: We are back on Front Row Knowles, time to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together, and say hello to our good friend and Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who is going to explain exactly what the committee was thinking when they made their decision this week. Bob, how are you, sir?
3: Uh, celebrating a championship, but uh, celebrating, or, or I guess trying to wrap my head around what happened with this uh, this college football playoff committee, because absolutely none of it makes sense.
2: No, it does. And Keith and I already raw in the moment. Two minutes after the show ended on Sunday, already had some joint. Uh, I guess that was couples therapy, KJ, that we went through on Sunday to talk ourselves through it, right? But well, now
0: we we made an attempt at it. We'll put it that way.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. Forty eight hours later, I'm not sure I really feel any better. The shock of it has subsided, but uh, whatever stage of grief I'm in, it's still one that sucks right now at the moment. Um, and not for me personally, but, you know, if, if, even if you remove Florida State from the equation, which I think is maybe where we should focus this bigger picture, I, I just have grave concerns about what this means going forward for everybody not in the SEC and not in the big.
3: I think you know we were all fans first, maybe of this sport, I think as a college football fan, we all took a punch to the gut of just how we feel about the game or, or about just where it is currently. Um I, I, I wish I could say it as eloquently as David Hale said the other day. I, I believe he he essentially said it it's no longer a meritocracy, it is an aristocracy. You know, when Jim Phillips said there are gated neighborhoods, um, we all kind of laughed at him, but there there clearly are gated neighborhoods in college football right now.
2: Well, well I, I think that...
3: Tom, excuse
0: me, I think my frustration you know, was initially up for the kids and for the program, but my frustration right now is with the ACC. We we are absolutely hamstrung and and held
3: back because of who we're affiliated with. And and honestly, to your point, um, I think Florida State was blamed, not blamed, of course, it was discredited because it didn't beat a Clemson team that was viewed as as inferior compared to past Clemson teams. Miami, Mario Cristobal took a knee, taking a knee and taking a loss, hurt Miami and hurt, cheapened Florida State's win over Miami. So even your really good ACC teams, your really good ACC games that are scheduled didn't really help you in a lot of regards this year in the eyes of 13 people on that committee.
2: But see, I don't think that was it, Bob. I think those teams could have had better records and they still would have been, been beating the drum that an SEC team has to be in the playoff. I mean, to me, the narrative started before Jordan got hurt. Then they switched it to the whole Jordan thing. But I, I guess that's maybe the biggest, that is the toughest part, is that a Florida State fan and defending the ACC over the years, it gets exhausting to try and, point out and make the case that the acc not all the time lots of years not but in years when it is better than the sec it's exhausting to fight that fight and to say that boston college while not great is probably better than mississippi state and five other teams in the sec but the perception will never be that and so to think that you have a, I just i'm not convinced if clemson was one miami was 10 and 2 if they would if they would have that credit maybe maybe it would be such a groundswell that you'd have to take florida state then but I just think that they've opened Pandora's box. If, if if unbeaten is not enough anymore, then then why bother? That's kind of still where my mindset is at.
3: Yeah, the the Jordan Travis thing is something I'm struggling with. The the concept of again on November 21st, Boo Corrigan said Jordan Travis's injury quote didn't have any impact end quote on Florida State moving from four to five. They favored Washington. A week later, Boo's response was an absolute train wreck of cloudy language. It set off some alarm bells, right? And then, then it became, on Sunday, what they said is, of "Course, he's a different team without Jordan Travis. Well, of course they are, but you know what? They're still a darn good defense. Still a darn good defense that has given up fewer points per game than even Alabama and Georgia. That's pretty, pretty good. I, I just think they're they're very, they took a very narrow view on it. Jordan's injury was was giving them an out. If Jordan were a Heisman finalist this week, would they have ignored a Florida state with Jordan going to New York City? I I just I have so many the, the hypocrisy of it all just I think it just it's crazy. It's just crazy.
0: KJ, did we lose you? No, I'm just. I'm trying to make sure I say this as eloquent's not the right word, but
2: well, you are you know, from Wildwood. We weren't expecting eloquent.
0: Understood. But you know, the ACC is the reason that FSU's in this predicament, and it's been reported. I'm not breaking ground here, but two years ago, Jim Phillips and one of the first things he did as commissioner of the ACC reached out to the Pac-12, which doesn't exist anymore, and then they coerced the Big 12 and they formed the alliance that never did a damn thing except postpone the 12-team playoff to 2024. If the alliance had never been a concept, if Phillips had never championed it, it would have been a 12-team playoff this year and we would not be having this conversation.
3: Thank you, ACC. And the end, the alliance did did achieve nothing. I think there they is zero, zero tangible gain that resulted from that alliance.
2: To your point, Keith, that would have solved Florida State's dilemma this year. But of the top thirteen teams, I think FSU is the only one that's not in the SEC or the Big Ten. Right? So oh,
0: I'm not I'm not saying it was a cure. What I'm saying is, in keeping with the mediocrity of the benefit of being in the ACC, you can track and, and, and just absolutely point to the biggest reason in 2023 that FSU is not in the playoff is because of the commissioner of the ACC.
2: How do you really feel, Mr. Jones?
0: I think I expressed it.
2: I, well, here's the going broader. We've, we've known it's going this way. It's just, Because of feelings and longstanding relationships, we can't just rip it apart and build it from scratch. So we got to do it piecemeal. But we've known forever that it's going to go to two leagues. And once you get to two leagues, you more or less have equal revenue sharing because one league is going to be a Fox-driven league in the Big Ten. And I know they have CBS and NBC, but they're going to be doling out equal revenue to however many teams they stop at, 20 or 24. And the SEC will do the same thing. And and then you have more of a level playing field, the way professional sports is, in in terms of of splitting their media rights. But unfortunately, we can't just get there by holding a vote in an open forum to say, "Here's the forty teams to get to play at the big boy level." So we got to do this and wait. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know where the finish line is. I I don't know where when we get there. But but hopefully, what happened this past week gets us there
0: sooner. It's a big step, I think. And the other part of it is, and, Bob, I'd be interested in your your uh, take on it. Tommy and I have talked about it. But I can't help but believe that this is somehow orchestrated by ESPN in order to make a bigger splash as they take over the SEC contract next year and to, to tell the ACC um, you're not a whole lot. And while we have a contract with you, don't expect us to do much for you.
3: I think a couple of the talking points that I heard, and I I don't know if they're conspiracy theories, they're just being kind of put out there by some of the media, is that Florida State wasn't box office enough without Jordan Travis for the college football playoff, which is just dumbfounding because we've been talking about how Florida State is really good from a rating standpoint for ESPN game after game after game i i think look it's dangerous ground what we are suggesting but clearly we're hearing a lot of things from espn analysts they are parroting the words of a lot of college football playoff committee members it's a there's a there's a leap to be made here as far as what decisions were made and and is espn helping and look i don't know Boy, it, it it feels really strange. It feels like ESPN wanted. Hey, the other thing that's kind of crazy too is if, if ESPN truly wanted the highest rating programs out there in the country, to some extent, wouldn't they want, say, Michigan and, and an Ohio State? Wouldn't they have fought maybe to get Georgia in? Um, I mean, Washington's not a huge ratings team. It, it's some West Coast viewers, but we all know Washington and Pac-12 is not going to bring a ton of viewers. Um, I'm a little bit surprised there wasn't a, a push to get to get Georgia. And we we know Kirby feels miffed by by being left out. He had a perfect regular season. He feels like he has an argument here. I I would disagree, but you know, I, man, it, it's it, let's keep coming back to it. It's tough, and the explanations have just been so weak, so so weak with very little nothing holds water in any of these arguments from the college football playoff committee, even the off, not off the record, even the sourced uh, unnamed sources, things that are leaking out through ESPN stories and CBS stories. None of them add up. None of them.
2: No, they don't. And it's comical to suggest that FSU is not a good TV product. They outdrew every school in the existing big 10 plus Washington, USC and Oregon this year. The only teams they were behind was Michigan and Ohio State. I'm not suggesting that Michigan-Florida State would outdraw Michigan-Alabama, but it, it's not like this is Wake Forest and Duke on New Year's Day. And if you want to talk about faults of the playoff system, how about the brilliant idea to put the playoffs on New Year's Eve a couple of years so we could protect the sanctity of the sunset at the Rose Bowl in years when it's not a playoff game, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of things here. Here's one. This, this one maybe uh, – th- this bothers me as I think back about my favorite games. So the point spreads came into play. Like, oh, we can't have Florida State in there. They'd be a sixteen point underdog against Georgia or whatever it is, right? Well, what are what are the most memorable games? Keith, how much were you guys underdogs when you beat Nebraska in nineteen eighty, which is the most maybe the most famous it was Bobby's favorite win. I mean, one of the first games I remember ever watching was when Howard Schnellenberger's canes beat Nebraska, and that was a seventeen point underdogs, and nobody gave Miami a chance. I mean, we probably talked about this, but Boise State over Oklahoma. I mean, just pick your game. That's what you remember about college football. And now they're saying, well, Vegas told us that this was going to be a mismatch, so we're not even going to play the game anymore. Uh, I, hate, I hate that that's part of this narrative too.
0: Well, and I, I think that, Tommy, personally, I think that's a made-up narrative. I mean, there, that's, where you, that's where you can say that whoever they are are grasping at straws to find any and every conceivable reason. To try to justify what is unjustifiable,
2: Bob. What's your sense? We'll wrap up football here. We'll come back and talk. Uh, we'll talk about the the sport, which is every other sport under the sun, where they actually decided on the field to win championships. We'll talk about that next segment, Bob. But what's what's your gut right now? On uh, I know there's guys that are in the portal or flirting with the portal. Do you think it's mass exodus? Do you think Norvell and staff come back and a lot? They can get a lot of guys to stay or. Are we looking at spring practice for this Orange Bowl?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm afraid of of what the opt outs will look like. Just being being honest, I I maybe talked myself into it for a moment that a lot of guys would want to come back, try and beat Georgia, claim a national championship of sorts um, with a win over Georgia. You know, potentially do you even hang a banner. I got a lot of flack for that on Twitter. Some people liked the idea, others didn't. I I do think there's going to be a lot of guys contemplating their future, the risk of injury. It's been a long physical, emotional season for a lot of guys. So I do think we're going to see some serious opt-outs beyond Johnny Wilson, who has accepted a senior bowl invite. There's really no clarity on anybody else, you know, at this point. So it's really tough to tell the portals obviously been active. Patrick Payton has said he intends to enter, you know, we'll see if, if, if that kind of is, you know, once the coaches can sit down with Patrick, can they discuss what are what are the developmental plans? You know, what, what does he want to see from this team moving forward? Um, I think we all know he's a huge part of that defensive front and that defense, and of course they'd love to have him back. But a lot of these things I think are, you know, maybe unfortunately airing out on social media when, um, you know, I think the coaches would much rather prefer to sit down with these guys and have discussions and, and figure it out.
2: All right. Well, that was 15 more minutes of therapy. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll see if the next segment talking Florida State soccer will get us in a better mood. That's after this on Front Row Knowles.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row we continue our conversation with Bob
2: Perante. Bob? little League teams. Soccer at the NCAA level actually has a playoff where they decide the champion on the field. Okay, I got to lose the sarcasm and cynicism. But congratulations to the soccer program. And I remember Keith and I had Brian Penske on this show when he was hired. And you talk about a guy who walked into a situation following with big shoes to fill. I mean, Jimbo came in after Bobby. I mean, Norvell has, has done a terrific job with football. There's lots of examples of this. But to go to the College Cup in your first two years and win the championship the way they did, I mean, I think you got to tip your cap to him for being able to handle that. And obviously, the players on the team are unbelievable.
3: Yeah, I think he's he's been described a lot as, as obviously a remarkable coach. But he's hired incredibly well. Assistant coaches, support staff, mesh the personalities. I think he, you know, really initially had to go to the players and, and and re-recruit them and and play the role of psychologist. And hey, I want to run a system that you are familiar with. I'm gonna throw in some of the things that that I'm knowledgeable about from you know his time at Tennessee and Maryland. I think he's always been somebody who's a very good thinker, but an incredible listener, very willing to listen and adapt. And that's hard for a lot of coaches who want to come in, put their fingerprint on things and do it their way. And I think for someone to what selfless be accommodating, be open uh, pick your terms. I, I think he's, again, we talk a lot about fit in a lot of things with, with coaches and and how they fit boy to come into that situation and and really stabilize and, and just gain comfort with the players. Um, really, really impressive. Not only that, and I know
0: nothing about the strategy of, of soccer. I am just a pure appreciative fan of these ladies and this coaching staff, and I just absolutely salute what they have accomplished. But the one thing as a little bit of a tactician that I've never heard anybody talk about to great extent is how he stresses defensive soccer to the point that that through the 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 playoffs FSU gave up one goal the entire playoff. One goal that's like you know playing a, a, a a four or five game college playoff and giving up one touchdown. That's absolutely remarkable. But that's part of his entire pitcher and the ladies have bought into it
2: well the other okay. part though is that he uh they play great defense they obviously did but but they're more aggressive offensively and a little bit less possession based than what they used to be and uh you know how many goals Stanford gave up all year Keith for last night's
0: game Monday nights well game? they obviously they gave up five to Florida State so all year 21 22 23 games Ten. I would Ten. guess I was going to go 20.
2: Yeah. They gave up 10 goals all year and then five to Florida State in one game. And, uh, Bob, I was watching the game. and uh, Florida State scores two goals in a minute. They let let up that one goal early in the second half to make it 2-1. And you're thinking, is this going to be a game? And Florida State quickly said, no, we're about to score three more. I mean, Florida State could have gotten to seven or eight in that game. I don't know that – I guess my takeaway would be I didn't – I didn't see Florida State getting better as a program once Kerkorian left. And it feels like that's what we saw with this year's team, Bob.
3: I, I think there were some questions among fans. You know, how would Coach Penske recruit? How would, would he be looking internationally? Is he more of a transfer portal guy? Is he more of a high school coaching? I think he's sort of blended a little bit of of all different ways of of creating a roster. I mean, obviously he's brought in some girls that he's had, um, you know, Taylor Huff from, from Tennessee did follow him a year after, uh, you know, he had come to Florida state, for example, but he's, he's just meshed. I think a little bit of everything. He's brought in Jordan Dudley, you know, this, this star freshman from, from the Atlanta area. I, I think it's just been a really good, um, way of kind of taking a wide view of of how you build a roster. Uh, he's, he's got a very professional staff and I, I think it's, you know, he was talking, you know, Tuesday night at the champions club in, in the ceremony, and he wanted to take time to praise everybody. I mean, literally everybody from the nutritionist to the academic advisor. It's a massive staff that he really wanted to take time to thank everybody for how they've helped to support the 21 players and, and so that they can achieve at their greatest level to get that fourth star, that fourth championship.
0: How was
2: the turnout? Uh, clue us in on what the celebration was like, Bob. I imagine it was uh, especially uh, in need of uh, something being cathartic based on the way this week went. I imagine it was a pretty nice celebration.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm never very good at crowd estimates, but I, I would say roughly, you know, 400, 500 people. You have the marching chiefs, a lot of the FSU administrators, uh, a lot of the diehard fans who wanted to, to come, some of those who uh, who had made it to Cary to see the games up in Cary, North Carolina, um, others who couldn't. Um, one of the biggest fans. Still, it, it is fun to hear Dr. McCullough talk about uh, specific players. He is not just a fan. He's not just somebody who kind of flies in and catches a game here or there. But he was up in North Carolina for the for the football and the soccer, and he starts naming off a couple of players and says. You know, let me get myself in trouble because I'm not naming all of them. He almost felt like he had to individually say something quick about, you know, almost all 21. But it was it was very cute, just 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 to see that connection that I think so many people have, the connection that um, Coach Pensky's wife has with with a number of the administrators, and just it it, it had a good family feel too. I think that was kind of just a just an overall thought on the night. Yeah.
2: So Bob, I'm not familiar with their roster. I know they'll be good next year. I know Jordan's a freshman, right? But how much of this nucleus are they returning? They they must be turning over goalkeepers finally. It feels like Roque has been there forever and she was terrific. But uh what what what's the uh what's the returning letterman situation look like rough estimate here?
3: Yeah, I think Beyond Leilani Nesbeth, who's a fifth year, I think just about everybody could come back. The COVID year, of course, gives that opportunity there. You know, for a lot of the girls, they want to graduate. They want to play pro soccer. I think almost all of them are graduating and then looking to the pro opportunities. Do they get it? Um, Do they get a chance to play overseas or not? Do they get a chance to play with their national team? I think some of these decisions, honestly, are going to go well You know, into the spring. So some of that is roster management that's not going to be maybe settled into, uh, say, March, April. So some things to figure out. But I, I do think for a lot of these girls, honestly, I think we'll see some roster turnover just because they've been through so much. They've endured to get to this point to win a title. I have a feeling they'll get that degree and say, you know, it feels like it's just about time. I'm going to see what those opportunities out there are for me to play pro soccer. Bob,
0: I'm like Tom. I, I don't have a good feel for the, for the 21 players. I just remember hearing uh, during the broadcast that seven of the 21 are internationals. And I just smiled because I don't think anybody in the Southeast when coach Kakorian came in and said, I'm going to recruit international players I'm going to let them leave during the regular season to fulfill commitments to their international teams. And that's going to be an emphasis that when we get into the playoffs, we, we'll reconnect and, and, be mean, and be playing for that common goal. Um, I don't think anybody knew or felt that that would be a, a, a process that would work, and it has been phenomenal.
3: Yeah, I think I think both coaches, honestly, Coach Ricorians embraced that. Brian Pensky's embraced that. You want to play for your national teams. You want to get those challenges. You want to get that development on the world stage. Um, he was incredibly proud. I, I go back to even one of our early conversations in August. You know, when I asked him about uh, those early mornings watching those World Cup matches out in Australia and New Zealand, what did that mean for him? What did that mean for the program as far as recruiting? Because every time somebody on a international national, international, whatever broadcast says, Oh, they played at Florida state. That's a great thing for Brian Penske and his coaching staff, because they can say that they've, maybe they didn't truly coach some of those players because they were Mark's players, but it was cultivated by coach Krikorian and the teammates, the culture that the Florida state soccer culture. And again, I think that was really appreciated Tuesday night too, just, just the appreciation that the players and the coaches have for the fan support, the booster support, everything that allows them to achieve that success.
2: I think I saw that Jenna Neiswanger, one of the stars from years past, uh, was with the U.S. women's national team for their international match earlier this week, maybe against Japan or China, I forget who they were playing, but uh, obviously she's not international, but still a pretty good deal there, testimony to the success that they've had. All right, Bob, a couple more minutes. The basketball team, uh, the women's team, I know one on Sunday. I think they play again on Thursday. And and on the men's side, Leonard uh, got a piece back, lost another piece, and had had two games in a row. They were in good shape about 70% of the way through, and, and then the bottom fell out. So uh, give us an update on the state of hoops right now.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think the unfortunate thing is to contemplate how long Cam Fletcher might be out looking at that injury. And, and we don't have a true official confirmation. He, he re-injured that right knee. How bad is it? Is it long-term? Is it short-term? Didn't look good in the moment, obviously. I think this is, this is a team that desperately needs to keep this depth together, especially in the front court. They're going to be very... Let's be honest, very undersized against a lot of these taller ACC teams. Rebounding, interior defense will be issues. I think it was very frustrating just to watch some of those losses, how they fell. Those games were, I don't want to say in hand. The games are not in hand with that much time on the clock. But you're in control, what, up 17 against Georgia at home. I think they were up 14 at North Carolina. And you felt like you have a chance, really, a really good chance um, to see those two slip away is got to be really, really tough. Especially when you got a week off to to um, to unfortunately have to practice through that for your next opponent. But I'll be very curious how this team bounces back. I, I think there's a lot of deficiencies, but we did see in Daytona what this team is capable of too. Well, and you talk about the front court. We'd be remiss if we
0: didn't. I mean, it's just—it's a glaring need to have a true, bona fide point guard, somebody that can run an offense in the half court. We know they can transition. We know individually they can post up and shoot. And if somebody gets hot, they can—they can put some some points on the board. But they don't have a consistent uh, someone that they can go to to run the run the offense in the half court. They and, do, and Keith, me.
2: but the NCAA won't give them a green light.
0: Well, uh, okay, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not I trying to correct they need you. A pity, I was they need a
3: pity vote.
1: <laughs> Go
0: ahead, Bob.
3: I, know, I was going to say, I think they need a, a an NCAA pity vote. You know, it, it's been a rough rough Sunday in, for, for Florida State football. How about Florida State basketball can get something here out of this? <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, it feels that way. It feels that way. All right, Bob, anything else we should know about Florida state athletics at present?
3: Um, I think we've hit, we've hit enough for one, for one uh, show, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, thanks for joining us.
3: Take care guys.
1: More front Reynolds right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
2: Front Row Knowles, thanks to Bob Brante as uh, Keith and I will finish things up here over the next several minutes. Uh, you know, Lost in all this, Keith. This is another. This is another shame of the thing. This is as good a fall as Florida State has had, comprehensively, athletically, and sometimes they're ACC champs in volleyball. They're ACC champs in football. They're ACC champs in soccer. They're national champs in soccer. They got a top three recruiting class coming in in football. Top five certainly by the time it finishes up, and they got a chance to finish unbeaten in football. Unfortunately, it's not going to be in the playoff if they get there. And and yet that last point I just made is what we're all harping on with all these other good things going on.
0: Isn't it just a shame? And, and that's the disappointment that's associated with it. It's just a shame. You do everything you can do on the field. You do everything that is asked of you. And then all of a sudden at the very end, well, you didn't do enough. Well, I, I did everything you asked me to do. Why didn't you tell me? Six weeks ago, that I needed to average twenty more points a game. We'll run up the score. Or, or four weeks ago, you know, you you, you got to have two viable quarterbacks. So we would have pulled Jordan earlier and put Tate or, or Brock in earlier. But those were not things you knew you you might need to do. So therefore, you didn't do them. But Keith, maybe you know. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't even have done them if you'd have known. Who knows?
2: Maybe they wouldn't have changed the results is what I was going to say, keith when you when you have a committee and there's not really defined criteria, that bar can just move wherever they want to move the bar.
0: Well, that's a true statement as well.
2: And what do you think big picture separate this this issue with the with the committee and the playoff? This has been going on since the Leonard fournette Dalvin cook uh, year and although Dalvin played and Leonard didn't, but you started having guys opt out of bowl games, right? Now we're at the point where every team is – especially if you've got NFL guys, they're all going to opt out generally. Everybody goes into the portal, and then the current team doesn't want to keep them on. And so what, what I'm driving at, Keith, is these bowl games, uh, are, are they going to stay as they are because we all love football so much that at 3 o'clock on Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to watch NC State play whoever they're playing, even well, though nobody that's been a starter is still on either team?
0: Well – I'm going to say yes in this vernacular for the lower two thirds of the bowl games where it's still a reward and you got teams that have two and three losses and you got teams that may may have only one or two NFL caliber players. It'll stay the same. But as you alluded to in our other conversations earlier in the show, when you go to the two major conferences, whatever that looks like, For those 35, 40, 45 teams, uh, the bowl season means nothing. It's all about the playoffs.
2: This isn't the perfect solution, Keith, but I smiled, and I'll give credit where credit is due, Manny Navarro, who covers the ACC for the Athletic, and I don't know Manny. I heard him talking about uh, basically the irrelevance of bowl games now, where they fit, and his idea was the bowl games need to move to – practice and spring game should be against actual opponents and you could play them as the bowl games. which that's a time when people are excited. The reason I say that's not a perfect solution is it's the middle of the semester everywhere. So I don't think you can take off and go hang out in Miami for the orange bowl or whatever, but it does show you that others are wondering what this future looks like.
0: And it it probably will eventually evolve to something that would none of us never thought about. Um, I mean, the Bulls were certainly entrenched, you know, 25, 30, 35 years ago. Uh, And it took some major change in thought just to get to the BCS, much less to move to the playoffs. So who knows what the next three, five, seven years might be. It it could be quite interesting.
2: Well, I think once we get to these home playoff games, Keith, on-campus playoff games, right you know they're trying to do the hybrid they're doing right now they're going to mix some of that and keep the bowl games but i i I think people are going to like the on-campus playoff games now who knows if florida state will ever get to experience one of them because you actually got to be invited in but i guess if you win the league now going forward you can get in but i do think that's going to be cool to see when they start next year
0: i would agree i do agree yes
2: Month. all right Keith we got a minute or two left anything else you would like to add that we have not covered over uh Sunday or today
0: it's just a shame Tommy I've had conversations with longtime friends of mine and we've exchanged some text we talk about how the college game has changed we're going to look at 2023 and it's going to be a pivotal moment when we say that's when the direction of college football made its biggest shift And Florida State will be a part of it for all the wrong reasons.
2: Well, Florida State's always been in the middle of these things, uh, which is because they've been relevant in the college football scene. You know, as I'm processing what you just said, it occurs to me, Keith, that for the last several years, I heard that AL would ruin the game, i.e., pay for play, and that full cost of attendance would ruin it, and the transfer portal would ruin it. All the kids were going to ruin the game, right? You know who ruined the game?
0: The adults.
2: The adults. The adults in the room are the ones that ruin the game. Okay, Jay. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Front Row Knowles.